Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. The groups that I organize them into before this analysis happens is based off of motivations, right? Like what is motivating them? You'll tend to find certain groups or segments of motivations within the data that you've collected, certain kinds of motivations. So once you've done that, then I do this analysis that I just spoke about for each of those groups of motivations, right? And that then allows me to say, okay, cool. This is the impact narrative, right? This is the sequential chain of motivations that this person needs to go through to hit all these people that they want, right? And based off of what I know about how the brain works, about how behavior works, how cognitive biases work, this is going to be the most salient set of beagles for them. And this is going to be the best way to frame those beagles. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. In the first part of our conversation, you and I talked about this uh, idea of visibility engineering sort of conceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of touched on this whole idea of how we create an impression and manage influence effectively. Yeah. Uh, and right as we were about to wrap up the conversation, you kind of, you know, left <laughs> an open loop, which made me realize there's no way that we couldn't do this in two parts. So let's talk about you know, how we actually put this into action. Yeah, uh, because, you know, last time I think what we were really talking about was data gathering, mm-hmm. um, which I think that's the part that actually most of us, you know, do well. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But then it, it's putting that into action that I think really is where, you know, a lot of people run into trouble. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. So what I would say to that is a couple of things. Right. Um, I think first things first, the reason that putting all of that data that we are gathering into action and being kind of, um, well, it brings in uh, subpar results, I might say, uh, <laughs> excuse me, is largely because the models that we are dealing with are, um, how to put this kindly, um, outdated, not based off of what we know about human behavior, you know, <laughs> take your pick. Um, 
and I could point to like specific things, but, um, you know, okay, maybe I shall, maybe I will. Um, yeah, but, that would be helpful. Yeah. So, you know, how, um, you folks will do market research essentially or some variation of this, right? Um, quant or qualitative. And then they'll sort of pour all of that information into niching, let's say, right? Um, mm-hmm. now the problem, a bunch of problems with niching, but one of the key problems is that it's not, it doesn't pay attention to or equip the people who are using it for behavior change, mm-hmm. right? That's not its yeah. goal, really. Um, and behavior change ultimately is the thing that we are trying to do, right? So like niching as a tool for behavior change is sort of obsolete. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's an example of like the kind of thing that typically folks will do and then they end up running into trouble. Um, I think another issue with niching is that again, and we've spoken about, um, context and how important that is, but that it, can't it doesn't really adjust to context very well it's not super flexible right like you Mm -hmm. sort of set it and forget it and that's the whole idea but you know behavior doesn't work that way because the environments around us that generate and spark and inspire our behaviors don't work that way um Mm -hmm. so so that's what i would say in terms why folks end up running into trouble um in terms of how we can avoid this i'd say two things um and i may or may not have brought this up in our um previous conversation but really focusing on motivation right focusing on motivational drivers the things in the environment that are generating our motivations and using using those two things almost to replace niching right replacing niching or however we want to um select an intended audience, right? Replacing niching with something that takes into consideration um, not only the core motivations that people have, right? But the actual drivers in the environment that you as an organization, as a person, whatever it happens to be, are specifically positioned to address, right? Um, so, So replacing niching and other sort of targeting tactics with something like that. I have my own version of this, right? So I could talk about it, but I won't bore folks with that. But generally, those are the building blocks of what I have seen works and succeeds. Yeah. You know, I think that you and I touched on context a a little bit, you know, and I I felt like I had to, you know, pull up this quote from Trevor Noah that I heard. It was on his last episode of The Daily Show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up transcribing it because I, I just thought it was so he said, I feel like we live in an age of limitless information right now, but we never seem to acknowledge that there's a shortage of context. Yeah. And you know, it's in many ways why I started doing between the scenes. I realized that in the short time I have on the show, there's only so much I can convey as a message. And you know, that message is distilled and synthesized for people, but we process everything in bites and we don't realize that we have a lot of information, but we don't have the context that is necessary for us to protect, to process that information which is so important. Context is everything. It's truly everything. Yeah. And, you know, and yet, yeah, the thing that, you know, we're talking about niching is like so often we start with quantitative data mm-hmm. and context, I feel like is this invisible layer that you really can't get from quantitative data. So how do you account for that in this process? 
I have in the course of sort of developing my theory of practice, right? Um, I've sort of come up with some shortcuts or things that I use to do this, right? Um, so usually I will do a couple of different analyses to help me pick up on, on this invisible layer that you're talking about. The first is something that I call a matters most analysis. Um, and essentially what that is doing or is forcing me to do is to, <coughs> excuse me, um, is to understand the chain of motivations that people tend to have, right? This is, this is something that I've observed that when folks tend to struggle when they're talking about what they do or, you know, um, drawing in the right sorts of people, you know, like any, any sort of problem that tends to come from like communicating, right? Often it's because they're trying to communicate more than one motivation at the same time. And what folks don't realize is that our motivations actually exist in a sequential chain, right? And so what this matters most analysis forces me to do as a practitioner is to stop and say, okay, what, what are all the motivations that I am equipped to support this person with, right? How do they, like, what is the impact narrative is what I call that, that sequence or that chain of motivations, right? But like, what is the chronological sequence of motivations that exists here, right? Like, which one of these things has to happen first before all the others? And then which has to happen after that first one, but before everything else, right? Going through that process. And then borrowing from what behavioral science has to say about the things that we pay attention to given the various kinds of contexts we find in ourselves in, right? Um, and so I know, for example, that if I'm dealing with a certain kind of person and their world looks a certain kind of way, that they're going to be hyperbolically discounting really intensely. And so that means that they're going to be paying closer attention to the earlier parts of that motivational chain or that impact narrative versus the later parts. Whereas somebody who is in a different environment has different motivational drivers. Maybe they are looking to um, improve something, right? Rather than like fixing something, maybe they're looking to improve something. Those folks tend to be focused on the later parts of that chain, right? So, so I've developed lots of little analyses and things like this that force me to pull in the context so that I always have it at hand when I'm going about the work that I do. Um, does that does that answer your question in any way? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. It kind of does, but like I, I want to make it a bit more concrete. So sure. let's just use a real real life example. So I have survey data from, you know, having surveyed our email list uh, about, you know, sort of what their goals, their interests are with utilizing generative AI for creative work. Mm. So, you know, based on, you know, whatever questions I've like, l- let's just look at that sort of as a place. And I mean, typically what I'll ask them is, you know, what are your big challenges? What are your obstacles? And what do you want to be able to in mm-hmm. yeah, a very simplified, dumbed down version? Sure. So. Using that sort of as a, a jump off point, you know, how would we apply what you just said to that? Like, how yeah, that- totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what I would do is I would take all of that information, especially that last question. That last question is actually super helpful. And I'd say, OK, cool. These constitute the sort of mm, mechanical might not be the right word, but like the things that people want to be able to do. Right or overcome or avoid or, you know, like whatever it happens to be, right? These represent the things that people want to do, right? Then you want to take it up a level and say, okay, cool. What kind of person do they have to be in order for them to be able to do these things, right? And that's Mm -hmm. just coming from um, the behavioral science principle that 
when you label somebody as a thing, you're more likely to affect their behavior, right? Um, and so you find what that label happens to be, like who it is they have to be in order to allow for that to happen. Once you have that, and I, I tend to call them B goals, right? Once you have your list of B goals, then what I will do is I will put them in sequential order, right? What has to happen first before any of these other things, right? Which, what, what B goal do they need to meet before any of these other ones are possible, right? And continue to do mm-hmm. them until we get the last one. And then that's when I'll do the kind of analysis that I was talking about saying, okay, behaviorally based off what this data has already told me, are they, is hyperbolic discounting something that's going on here? Are they looking more to the future? Is this something in the middle? Um, and what does that mean in terms of how we want to frame the relevant beacle, right? So that's usually mm-hmm. what that will look like, just super, super quickly, super generally. And I yeah, have, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So as I understand it, so basically what you're doing is categorizing these people into groups and saying, okay, what type of person do they need to be to achieve XYZ goal? And then, you know, what's needed to become that type of person? Yeah, sort of. So I, I'll, I'll get even more specific, right? In that the groups that I organized them into before this analysis happens is based off of motivations, right? Like what is motivating them? You'll tend to find certain groups or segments of motivations within the data that you've collected, right? certain kinds of motivations, right? Mm-hmm. So once you've done that, then I do this analysis that I just spoke about for each of those groups of motivations, right? And that then allows me to say, okay, cool. This is the impact narrative, right? This is the ch- sequential chain of motivations that this person needs to go through to hit all of these people that they want, right? And based off of what I know about how the brain works, about how behavior works, how cognitive biases work, this is going to be the most salient set of equals for them. And this is going to be the best way to frame those beagles. Mm-hmm. And that's just one analysis out of like maybe five or six. Yeah. So that's the first step, right? So yeah. let's go into the next one. Oh my gosh. We could be here all day. We haven't even gotten into the influence. Um, gosh. Well, give us the soundbite versions. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put together something for our, our, our listeners so they can. <laughs> sure. Um, so, I mean, that's sort of uh, the first level of sort of contextual analysis that I tend to do looking for motivational drivers, right? Um, the others, it will depend again, based off of stuff, right? Um, but usually you're looking, um, the kinds of resources that they are dealing with, right? And how much of those resources they have or feel like they have, right? Because perception is really key here. Um, uh, another kind of analysis that I tend to do is looking where they fall on something that I've been calling colloquially in my head as the investment index, right? But like, just in terms of how much they have invested in the relevant eagles that we uh, just spoke about, where do they Mm -hmm. fall on a scale of like, like just sort of getting started essentially to um to like we're looking to refine our approach to doing this thing right mm-hmm. um and there's a whole bunch of underlying information that we can get once we place them somewhere on that scale um 
gosh, I'm trying to think kinds of analyses do I do? Um, yeah, um, I'll do an assessment of, uh, their mental models, right? So basically, when it comes to the relevant set of eagles that we're talking about, how do they think the world works, right? Mapping that out. Um, so like things like that, right? I will do those kinds of analyses, probably more <laughs> depend. Um, but I'll do analyses like that. And that allows me to have on hand that sort of invisible layer of context that you were talking about. And that information is so, so key. What I, what I tend to find is that, um, folks will, especially the books that I tend to work with, right? They'll be in a situation where they think that things are secure. And that's largely because, um, you know, they have an active audience. They, have um offers that people are interested in or people are volunteering to be part of the organization they have uh, an active board or active um set of donors like whatever that happens to be like that behavioral thing that they are looking to have and continue to maintain right um like they have that thing and like while it's not perfect and like exactly where they'd want it to be and isn't maybe scaling quickly as they would like they have that thing and they feel like that that's a floor beneath which they can't or won't fall generally barring something insane. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I've found often, and I find myself saying this a lot is that what you have there is actually stability. It's not security. Security is stability across time. Right. And in order to have that, you need to be able to remain hyper relevant across contexts, right? And so that means even when like we have a pandemic and the flu calls out from under us and there's a big R word or, you know, recession, because I'm not afraid of it. But you know, like even when the like the world feels like it is ending, right? That is that is context. That's a p- possible context that is within the realm of possibility. And if you are not equipped or don't have a system in place for shifting how you, how you do things, right? Like how you manage your influence and how you manage your, the impression that you give and communicate, right? If you don't have a tool or means of managing those things, even in that context, then what you have is stability, not security. Um, and so that's why this invisible layer of context that you've been talking about is so key because it becomes then the foundation for that framework or that system that allows you to shift pretty fluently between contexts, right? So anyway. Well, let's get into the influence piece and, and let's think about this from the standpoint. Like, First, let's define what influence is because like I have always joked, I was like, influencers don't influence shit as far as I'm concerned, other than their own egos. <laughs> I know, like, I'm sorry, having a million followers on Instagram doesn't qualify you as an influencer. A mother who it's works not. three jobs to put food on the table for her kids is more of an influencer uh, than some agreed. person who basically puts up, you know, hundreds of selfies of themselves. Oh um, not but, to hate on content creators at all, but yes, I, I yeah, no, I, but I, I think that <laughs> the the idea of influence is often conf- like people confuse influence and impact, in my opinion. Agreed. 
Yeah. So let's define influence from your perspective first, because I think we have to start with a definition. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And this is something that is currently in flux for me. So take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I do connect it to the definition that I think I gave you last time we spoke about what a brand is, right? Yeah. Um, which is just a system of ideas that influences the behavior of other people, right? Um, or a type of system of ideas, right? Like not all, not all such systems of ideas are brand, um, and so forth, right? So when I'm talking about influencing, right? And influencing behavior, I'm talking about the ability to affect how someone develops, how they act or how they think. Right. Um, that's sort of the working definition that I have right now. Um, but that is something that I, I'm keeping an eye on in terms of where tweaks may need to be made. But that's the working definition that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so let's talk about using, you know, sort of what we've got so far based on everything you've said to start, you know, actually you know, creating influence and whether that is, you know, getting somebody to buy a product, getting somebody to subscribe to a newsletter, getting somebody to tell a friend about what you've created. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is where um, I, I, I cannot fangirl hard enough over Damon Santola, um, <laughs> but I will try. <laughs> Um, and again, the man has almost no idea who I am. I think we spoke over email once and he was very kind. Um, but this is where network analysis becomes key and very interesting, right? Um, the idea here is that once you have all of this impression stuff that we've been talking about up until now developed, and managed, right? And able to be managed across context, right? Mm-hmm. Then what you want to do is start designing your network for behavior change. And I, I say this for two reasons. One, because everything that we've been talking about, right? I more donate here, all of that. All of those behavior change, right? Getting someone to go from not doing that to doing that behavior change, right? Mm -hmm. But also because when we're talking about the context of folks who are under-recognized, which is something that I brought up briefly before and visibility biases and all that, right? There's sort of another layer there of behavior change that needs to happen, right? Because right now, the default, if you're an under-recognized person, the default is for folks to overlook you, right? Mm -hmm. And so in order to overcome that so that all those other things, those great things that we're talking about can happen, behavior change needs to happen there as well, right? That is a change in behavior. And it's the way that uh, Santola would talk about it, a complex behavior change, right? It's a complex Mm -hmm. change, right? Complex contagions. Exactly. It's a complex contagion as opposed to a simple one, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so this is, this is where network science and network analysis, um, comes in. And concretely, what I'm doing with folks here is that we are mapping out, like literally mapping out graphically, um, your network, 
right? So that mm-hmm. we can see the literal geometric shape that your network is in. Um, and that allows us to say, okay, well, your shape is like this. Um, and we want to build it towards something that's more of a fishnet, right? If, if we're looking for something that facilitates complex behavior change or more of a snowflake, if we're looking for, you know, maybe something closer to a power broker orientation, right? Like different network shapes facilitate different mm-hmm. goals. Um, yeah. and so that's why mapping out your network graphically is so, so useful, right? So there's that, right? The actual mapping out of your network. And then there's the actual routine, right? Like the actual thing that you're going to be doing every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, that's going to be growing your, your network towards the shape that it needs to be in for your goals to happen, right? And this is what I mean when I say designing your network for behavior change, because this is how you can expand your sphere of influence, right? Um, intentionally, not just sort of randomly. You want to build your network towards some of these tipping points, um, mm-hmm. that lead to, you know, some of the things that we've read in Centola's work, um, you know, like the contagion taking over the network or, um, Gosh, who was that person that you, you mentioned the last time? He wrote Contagion. Um, Jonah Berger. Jonah Berger. That's right. Yes. Jonah Berger. Yes. Um, some of the things that he, uh, speaks about in terms of virality, right? But like we're talking about like complex virality in this case. Um, right. Like those all sort of happen at specific tipping points, right? And, Santola's work does talk about this basic tipping point that's at least 25% of the network, right? Strategically selected points, parts of the network, nodes in the network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this number fluctuates and changes depending on, um, who we're dealing with, what kind of entity we're dealing with, what the goal is, what, you know, like this, this number fluctuates, right? I would say a 25% minimum, if anything. But you're building towards tipping points, right? You're building towards, I call them disability tipping points. And that's, that's the whole purpose of the influence management part of what I do, right? Equipping yeah. folks to do that intentionally mm-hmm. over time. Um, yeah. and to leverage when you have like those mini wins along the way, right? So that you can leverage that into more momentum towards those tipping points and towards ultimately that behavior change at scale that you're looking for. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So one thing I'm curious, this is a morbid trust. How do you actually um, map the shape of a network? Like, let's say you had an email list. How would you even do that? Like, what do you use to do that? Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> right now they have like clients use a simple, what is it called? Um, is it diagrams.net? I don't know. I don't know. Like there are, there are tools that like let you just sort of do diagrams, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I tend to do is I, I have a process that I take my clients through to make this easier. Essentially, we start with, okay, who are the folks that y'all have been in contact with? And when I say in contact, I mean, you've contacted them and they have contacted you right back, right? Who are those mm-hmm. people within the last month, within the last three months, within the last six months, a year? Um, two years, five years, 10 years, right? Like that sort of thing. That's probably more rings than I actually do, right? But like if we're doing this super well, it's kind of what we're thinking about, right? So this allows you to be a little less overwhelmed by the number of people that you you have to bear possibly in your network, right? But just like slowly over time, filling out those networks. And then to the best of your ability, showing how they are connected to each other, right? Are the strong ties or are they weak ties? Often they're going to be weak ties, right? Almost always they're going to be weak ties. Um, sometimes they're not ties at all, right? And that's fine. Um, sometimes you don't know who else other members of the network that you are associated with or connected to are connected to. And that's fine. Um, 
that might be something that you then go and find out in some sort of survey. Or if the network is insanely huge, you go and find out um, in more qualitative ways, right? But um, but that's what I would say, right? Like start with sort of what I would think of as like the the inner ring. And this isn't necessarily the people that you have the strongest ties to. This is just in terms of recency, right? Of, mm-hmm. of connection. Um, and then just keep going outwards until, um, until the number becomes kind of ridiculous. So that's what I would say. I mean, your, I don't know the size of your list, but this is probably something that, um, that tech and AI could probably help you with. That's precisely what I was thinking. But you know what I was thinking as you were, were saying that was, mm the place I would do it first is with my podcast guests. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I would suggest. And, too, see, and, and uh, you know, my first thought was, how is there not some sort of technology tool to do this? Because this sounds incredibly manual and crazy. I know. I know. And I've been looking for something like this. Um, I mean, like there is always the, um, uh, gosh, what is that tool? There's a tool that, um, Centola has, uh, folks who take his, his various like network science course things use. I don't remember the name of it because I only use it when I'm like trying to model something new. Like I'm trying to model, um, like I'm trying to model something in particular, not necessarily someone's network, like mm-hmm. a contagion essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't use it super, super often. Um, but there is a tool for that, but it's not like, it's not the kind of thing that you're thinking about. It's a different tool. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, how is there not a thing that already does this? I don't know. Well, it's very frustrating. It's you and I will, you and I will basically we will ask ChatGPT what take, what would take to build this yes. and we'll learn and then we'll build it. And then we will build done. it. Yeah. And it'll and take it'll like be, five minutes. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Done. Finished. I, mm. I love it when a great, a great plan comes together. That's, I love yeah. that. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. So, so talk to me about next. Like, so, you know, so we get, we kind of looked at this sort of at this invisible layer that nobody actually sees publicly, right? This is mm-hmm. all happening behind the scenes. So then how does this shape, you know, sort of the way that you tell stories, the way that you are presenting yourself, the way that you brand yourself, all of that? So that honestly kind of pulls me back into the impression management side of things. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what like a, a clean way of talking about this would be. Um, so let's, let's go with the example of, um, of like changing copy somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's say yeah. on a website. Yeah. Um, so this actually brings me back to the, um, to the matters most analysis that I was talking about and like the various other contextual analyses that I do. Um, I call them POV formulas in my head or POV filters. Um, but just like point of view filters or point of view formulas in my head. Right. And what sort of comes hand in hand with these is an understanding of, um, what's the thing that's going to capture people's attention right now? Right. So, so let's say, Let's say, um, 
let's say that we have got somebody with a motivation that, um, hmm, I want to get more specific here. Let's say we've got somebody who is looking to get more love on bigger stages. Let's say that. Uh Um, Let's say that that is their motivation, right? And let's say that we also know that that is the... Let's say that we know that the B goal that comes from that is... Gosh, what would be a good example? Um... Being a, let's say like a highly rated speaker, right? Let's, uh-huh. let's keep it super simple. Not my most elegant work, but like we're on the clock, right? So, no. um, so let's say like the relevant beagle here is being a highly rated speaker, right? Um, I, I know because of what I understand about how brains and behavior works, right? That this person might be doing a bit of um, paying attention to things that are more immediate, right? And so what that means is that they are likely looking for some kind of prescription to being a more highly rated speaker or being a highly rated speaker, right? And so if they're looking for a prescription for that then all of the things that come with that are also relevant, right? So a prescription is something that's not a heavy lift. A prescription is something that feels certain, right? Like you get a prescription, you go to the pharmacy, you get your medication, the medication works, right? Um, it is something that is um, solid, something that has got them taken care of. Right. Like all of these things that sort of come with that, like all of these framing mechanisms that come with the idea of a prescription, right, are, are true here. And so what that means is that when I'm then going to go, and this is just for one, you know, like contextual level, right? There are multiples, but like this, just using this, this means that when I'm then going to, let's say, change up my sales page for, um, this offer that I am putting out there in the world, right? That I'm Mm. making sure that the thing that I am offering is framed as a prescription to this beagle, as a prescription to being a highly rated speaker, right? And all of the things that are connected to a prescription, all of the things that somebody who is in this, I just need a fix mentality is dealing with are things that are included in the framing, in the language that I'm choosing to use on this sales page. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that's one layer of applying contextual stuff, right? All the other analyses uh-huh. that I spoke about before introduce like other facets that do similar things, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and then you also want to think about like this sales page, right? This web page what point in our relationship with this person is this page showing up, right? Because that then tells us um, what things are going to, what other things are going to capture attention, right? And this sort of gets to um, 
gosh, I could go all day about this, but um, this kind of gets to like, okay, at this point, does this person care about what, what, what is sort of like interesting and idiosyncratic about you? Do they care about the impacts that your work has previously had? Is it some combination of the two? Uh, is it, do they just care about like the feeling that, um, you give them, right? Like which of these things is most important and most salient to them, right? Because that's then mm-hmm. another layer that you want to think about. And that's going to, that's going to depend on like what point in our relationship we are with them when what point they're seeing the sale page, right? There's lots of different little sort of angles and layers here, but that's ultimately what it looks like. And we're talking about applying this in like a very practical, like it's a sales page. What do we do here? Way. Yeah. Are there like known brands that just do this inherently and do it well? I think a good example of a brand that does this well and has been doing it well for quite some time um, is Japan. And I know you're expecting me to name a company (laughs) Mm -hmm. or an influencer or um, somebody with a personal brand. Um, But that also assumes that I I pay close enough attention across a long enough period of time to be able to tell, you know, someone is doing this well over time. I often am not always paying that close enough attention. but for bigger entities like nation states, which yes, of course have brands. Um, I would say that Japan has been doing a really, really good job. Um, not only of impression management, um, but of influence management as well. Um, I might need to. Nope, that's where I'll stop. <laughs> that okay. is where I'll stop. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So, talking about the results that people have experienced as a result of this, in terms of sort of you know where they were at prior to going through this process and where they were after. Yeah. Um, so I've got. Um, there's this um, one small company. It's like a family-owned company. Um, that I love black owned, really great. And the product is amazing. Um, and before we started working together, um, they, goodness, they were, I think they weren't even sure which of their products they were selling. Right. Um, they were kind of selling all of them. Um, spaghetti at the wall method, I might say. Right. Yeah. After our working with each other, um, they're in, God, something like three, four hundred stores across the U.S. now. They have huge deals, including with like, um, the Navy, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Brad Pitt, them like a shout out or something like that, like took a picture with their product. Um, you know, just like, like lots of really great things are happening for this like tiny, tiny, tiny company. Um, so that's like, that's sort of an example, right? That like, and they're getting invited to all sorts of places. Um, instead of having to like 
grind and seek out those kinds of opportunities, right? So that's one example. Um, I think a huge example that I sometimes will talk about, um, but have to say, like, I was a very, I was only a very small part of the team that made this happen, um, was some work that I did when I was consulting on the civil war in Yemen. Um, and this wasn't the only sort of conflict situation that I was consulting on. Um, but I think it's just like the clearest example. Um, and again, I was a super small part of this team, like junior members, so small, I was such a small part of this team. Um, but the goal was to get this, um, ethnic minority essentially from being overlooked, um, in various diplomatic fora like the UN and what have you to being a part of the peace negotiations that were happening with the UN. Um, and by the end of my involvement in a particular file, they were. Um, so that's just sort of like an example of like the scale of, of effect that impression management and influence management just sort of taken together, um, in various proportions can, right? Like when you're really mm-hmm. intentionally engineering your visibility and all the constituent pieces of that, these are the kinds of things that can happen, right? Um, and it's not just restricted to personal brands and it's not just restricted to the private sector and it's not just restricted to, um, to money, right? Sometimes we're talking like peace negotiations, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. You know, now I completely understand why Nikki referred you to me. Nikki knows me well. <laughs> Clearly, she's had a, she has a really good sense of what my impression is of people. Um, like it makes complete sense that she referred you. Uh, <laughs> now that we've gone through this, I mean, this is honestly one of those interviews where I feel like I'll be dissecting the transcript like endlessly and <laughs> using AI to like apply it to things for <laughs> weeks on end. Um, because I think you've just packed it with so much practical insight that really makes us as rethink and, and really i mean you've basically given us a series of experiments to conduct yeah yeah honestly that's the highest possible praise i have ever received so thank you so much truly well, that, and i have um, ruthless standards so you know this has honestly been incredible like i i honestly feel like this is one of those that will go into our you know best of the year series uh because you've just, you know, made this so insightful and thought provoking. So I want to finish with my final question. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about what I would say to this question. Um, um, and I think, I think I'm going to self servingly quote myself when I answer this and say that I think what makes someone unmistakable is a a penchant for not settling. And I'll and I'll say I'll I'll say what I mean very specifically, that many, and this is not a negative, right, but many will settle for disrupting present. Right. I think those who are unmistakable and go on to 
become legacies are folks who don't settle for that and instead aspire to shape the future. Um, so that's what I would say. Amazing. Uh, well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your, you know, insights and wisdom with our listeners. Where can people learn about you and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have many questions, um, every month I run a visibility clinic and it's essentially a Q&A. So feel free to come and join and ask your questions and I'm happy to answer. Um, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram and on LinkedIn, uh, where I am sharing new insights as far as LinkedIn is concerned. Or um, I am sharing sort of what's going on behind the scenes or interesting um, bits of news that sort of relate to these concepts as I do on uh, Instagram. So those are generally what I would suggest. Um, if you're looking for deeper stuff, right, you want to talk to me one-on-one or um, you just kind of want to be in my orbit for a little while, I'm sure we can leave some links for stuff like that below. But um so yeah that's what i'd say all right and for everybody listening we will wrap the show with that hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. 
We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.